our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast, the very final edition of this very long Oscar season in so many words. I'm Eric Hunt, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by my L.A. sparring partner, Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. And usually I would be out in L.A. adjusting to the time zone difference, uh, asking you what time you were going to the British nominees party. Could I sneak in with you to the women in film party afterwards? Maybe the short film party, bum a ride later to get home at the end of the night. Right now I'm in Long Island City. You're in L.A. And yet we're at the end of awards season. So let me ask you this. Compared to the many different award season cycles you've covered over the years, how are you feeling about the kind of rush to the finish line? Because you're not about to dash out the door and go anywhere the way you normally would be. Uh, uh, well, the, the spirits season. are tonight, so I am going to do a, a quickie. Uh, I'm going to have to jump into that at some point. Um, Digital, uh, virtually. Yes, as in, it'll be like the others, but it's on TV. I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays as a television show um, yeah. uh, on IFC. We're coming to you from the past. That's the thing. Yeah, that's funny this about is the past. <laughs> so, um, but the, but the, you know, I had this moment of, 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 of a, I had a pang. I felt it on uh, the night of the Golden Globes. One of the great things about these, um, shows is that is that you, you after you after the big reveal and you've covered them and you've done the intense writing up of of the final story you rush out into the evening for the parties oh, and you yes. and i both as you were just describing i mean oscar weekend my god you know it's like a so film we've, festival we've been, without the screenings I mean, we have been deprived of yeah. parties you know <laughs> and and you and i happen to be two people who are relatively social we like to to go around and talk to people especially these people it's like the end you feel like you're part of that journey i mean there are so many cynics out there when it comes to award season and yet the reality is you get invested in it you get invested in it and you get invested in some of the creators i mean i remember following steve mcqueen along you know filmmaker whose work i admired for years to watch him thrust up into the Oscar machinery for the first time. Or Bong Joon Ho last yeah, year. Exactly. Another great example. And they're Where so we were ready all to be done rooting. with it. But they, they also people are rooting it. For, I mean people are rooting for things this year, but 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 sure. all right. So so part of the fun, I, in fact, one of the sad stories this week for me, I'm sure you feel similarly, was the news that the long, long time heads of Searchlight, Nancy Utley and Steve Galula, are stepping down voluntarily. They're they're ready to relax <laughs> and right, enjoy the plus years next later. chapter yeah. of their lives. I mean, they have an extraordinary track record at the Oscars, uh, bar none, and uh, you know, from Birdman and Slumdog and and uh, uh, you know, Del Toro's uh, Shape of Water, um, and and Nomadland is likely. Uh, uh, going to join that group. So I, uh, and 12 years a slave. Um, so 
So I'm, I'm, uh, I used to go to the Fox searchlight after parties after these yeah. movies won. You know, that was part They're of the, that was always this, the sort of oh last gosh. stop. And they were, and th these are people who worked so hard. They, I guess part of it is a kind of um, exuberance, a celebration. I mean, I remember going to the Titanic after party, uh, the, you know, after James Cameron won, you know, or the, or the Ang Lee uh, Life yeah. of Pi party. I These haven't done it as long parties. as you, but, but it is what's, what's remarkable about it and hard for people to understand when you roll your eyes at Oscar season in general is it takes a lot out of people, especially artists, to have to play this game. And the part, there is a legitimacy to that part, that kind of a party, especially when the winners show up it's because like you just see everything. Blowing it coming. all off. Yeah, you know? but they've all been through the, I mean, the neon party last year for Parasite was, was emotional for everybody because everybody's, there was so much machinery involved in making that happen and you could see it up close. So you're witnessing something that is very genuine. It's not just, you know, the Vanity Fair red carpet type of situation. No, it really it's not presentational at all. People. It's it's about yeah. people celebrating their legitimate earned uh, glory of, of that night. You know, all that work yielded something. And so we're going to be deprived of that this year. And I, ha I found myself sort of, I was on a call last night with some friends who happened to be Academy members who, by the way, well, Never. Two of them voted for Andrew Day. So what do we know? Um, Anything can but, happen. <laughs> yeah. So so and the third person called me today who voted for Andrew Day. I was like, what? Mm. OK, so um, so basically uh, they were saying, and, you know, do your thing and get yourself into it. I know those parties are going to happen. They're Someone gonna wants have, to rage. <laughs> Emerald Fennell is going to have a blast on Oscar night. There's no way she isn't. And they're going I love to how go you keep somewhere. Coming, we, we've talked secret. about this. You always go back know, to the Emerald Fennell. Like she's just, the one who's going to lead the I can tell she's a party girl. What can I say? Um, the Brits, they know how to party. So I'm, I'm assuming I'm not going to be allowed anywhere near any of these parties because but you'll go there if you secret. could. If totally. someone told you, you'd I'm be vaccinated there. Vaccinated if no. it's outdoors. If it's outdoors. Okay. Interesting qualification. With masks. There. With masks. Tough to drink the champagne, but okay. So there are a couple of qualifiers. Couple, we'll see what couple happens. Couple of glasses, <laughs> and who knows what will happen, right? It'll but, be quiet here in New York, I'm sure. But uh, I'm looking to virtually connect with people and keep tabs on what people are up to and to the best of my ability. Because one of the things that I always found fascinating about the experience of going to the Oscars, and obviously you and I have been through this together a bunch, is that you don't really watch the show the whole time. You go to the bar and you find people and you hear how the night is going from their perspective. So it's going to be different not being able to have that kind of up close view this year. And I'm certainly curious about how that show is going to go, but I'm even more curious about how it's going to be experienced by that audience. And I'm sure they don't know what to expect either entirely. I know. Well, so. you and I have been to the Oscar show many times and, and I know that um, as happy as I am to be home in my pajamas in comfort, you know, you know, covering the show. I, and I'm curious to see how it looks because Soderbergh's description um, and the art director, David Rockwell's description of what they've done, it, it, it's going to be very different. It's totally going to feel different. Now, Soderbergh can be pretentious about how it's going to be a quote unquote movie and 24 frames a second and, and, you know, wide angle and all that. But the art direction sounds amazing. 
and he's going back to old Hollywood in terms of putting people together in groups of two at tables and banquettes in this room at Union Station that they're building into a small amphitheater with a big blue curtain and this mahogany inlaid stage and incredible reflective surfaces made out of mica and all this crazy stuff. They're doing these outdoor uh, terraces with with uh, flower bowers. Right, and, so people and, are shuffling you know, in live, and out. Live, they're moving people in or out their two courtyards. And, and I, as he's describing all this, I'm imagining all these uh, Oscar people, it's sort of like when you go to the Oscars and you hang out at the bar in between, uh, thing, yeah. it's about, that's the courtyards are gonna be that, yeah. where people are drinking, watching the show, outdoors, relaxing. And Sometimes you have Oscar winners of, doing that. Yeah, you know, it's like they, totally. they won, they did their press conference and they just yes, go hang that's, out Yes, they're gonna move and, them out. Yeah. So there's a small group inside this room who are the ones who are actually coming up uh, on the show. And then after that, they go out and, and, and he's going to, and they are going to be celebrating all the nominees and telling their stories, the people behind the scenes, the, the craftspeople. So I love that, that those people are going to be celebrated. Now, on Oscar how many night. people are going to tune into that experience is a whole other story. We're but film, film makes, buffs, but yeah. any film buffs worth their salt should be on board, but it, nobody seems to care good. about these movies. Well, here's the thing. If it's, I care about those these movies, you care about these movies, most of the people in the room will. And look, most of the people in the room are the nominees. But uh, at the end of the day, if Soderbergh and company created a good show and nobody watches it, it's not probably going to tarnish their careers. So, you know, it'll just be this interesting kind of existential question. They have no control over that. They, yeah. They're the nominees so, or what they are fine. and and they're going to do their thing. And I'm excited to see it. I, I, I am very yeah, excited Why to not? see it. We live for this stuff. Look, we wouldn't invest so much time talking it through <laughs> and finding new angles each week. We didn't count on two months delay. That's the I part know, that's killing me, not. man. Well, we're me. almost there. So we have predictions. You have your your official story done. I spent some time today going through mine, and we're going to go over those. I have to say, I mean, what's fascinating to me is that in the year Do where you a post lot of them these... anywhere? Well, not really. I guess I, su I suppose that this is my official posting, and okay. I can include them with the story. But All right, we'll know, see. I, the thing is, I, here's what I found going through it, is that in spite of all these these narratives that really solidified early on, there's there are room for for surprises. There, oh, there plenty! This year, plenty there's of plenty of them, and that that, that makes it fascinating. especially in the short categories where we're going to yeah. start. So, so you can. Take and I want risks. to apologize for any errors we made in last week's podcast. We didn't have the list in front of us. I got one title wrong. You got something wrong that we were able to fix in the editing that no one will ever know. Uh, but <laughs> but seriously, uh, apologies to some of the it's ones tough. we left it's out. Tough. You know, we didn't include everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But we did see all the movies and and stand by our opinions about the ones that we did discuss. Absolutely. So, <laughs> there is that. And now we can discuss them again because we are going to start with the, the shorts. Now, before we begin, I was uh, going to try something different on this. We have 23 categories. We don't want to spend too long on each. So I have a timer for about a minute going on each category if we need to go longer we can but it'll just give us let a little us more on best actress that's all i <laughs> we'll ask. see we'll see where we line up so why don't we get started <laughs> why don't you kick us off with the first one so we're going to do best animated uh short and we have uh burrow uh from pixar genus loci 
uh, we have, if anything happens, I love you. Genus loci is the French one. If anything happens, I love you. Uh, opera and yes, people. And I'm betting that the most emotional, um, uh, the drawn black and white grief stricken parents with their ch lost child, if anything happens, I love you, is going to win in this category. Yeah, I think that's sort of a no-brainer, and we discussed why last week. But let's be honest, opera is the best one in that category. We both love stunning. opera. So it's, you've never okay seen anything like it. So see it. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even put that as the second uh, running runner-up. I put Burrow. Uh, the oh, Pixar because they tend, animation voters they tend to know. win and it's kind of the escapist one that's unlike all the others it's fun enough um, all right next one live action, uh, short. live action short i'm gonna go here at the in the end this is actually hard to call i, I would say that they, these are five very good strong shorts you and i have a favorite which is wide eye which isn't going to be the winner <clears throat> i don't think um it, it's all in one shot worth seeing Two Distant Strangers is the one I'm voting for uh, from Terry Von Free and Martin Desmond Rowe, the one with the high concept borrowed from Groundhog Day about the, the black guy who goes out every day and gets killed by a white cop. I mean, it's certainly in a year where, where the most widely visible Oscar nominee seems to be Judas and the Black Messiah. Two Distant Strangers is, is the most timely one, so I'll agree with that assessment. But why did I talk about win? timely? Talk about, uh, you know, Chauvin. And I appreciate that. I, but I think slammer. why did I. But what White Eye does in terms of how it deals with immigration just is substantial, and I'd be fine with that upset. So let's see what happens. Okay, next one. I put uh, I put the letter room as my runner up, the one with hmm. Oscar Isaac in the prison. Um, we'll see. So uh, then, documentary short would be next. In this case, uh, following the um, the combination Holocaust slash most emotionally draining rule. Um, and I really don't mean to diminish Colette because it is a Holocaust movie, um, but everyone I've talked to is very moved by it and I was moved by it. So I'm gonna go with that one as the winner uh, with do not split the Hong Kong movie as the runner up. Interesting. Well, I should note that some people didn't love the way that we discussed Colette as a, a quote unquote Holocaust I am movie last feeling, week. I'm feeling a so little should, guilty about that. We should that address too. that. I mean, it is a story of a French resistance fighter, but it does deal with the Holocaust in a, in a broader sort of categorical way. She which lost is, her, what, what, her, what we her brother, right? That, her brother we in a concentration camp, and they were visiting the concentration camp, and she was upset by that by that visit. And um, I, I, I was trying hard when we were talking about this to recognize that there is no um, cessation of, 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 you know, there's no time limit on doing a movie that deals with the Holocaust. It's a terrible, horrible thing that happened and anyone who wants to make a movie about yeah, it can character. do so. It's a, it's we were re referencing story. the tendency of the academy to lean into that subject yeah, yeah, over the years in a sort of statistical way exactly and, and maybe we shouldn't write it off as a cliche maybe we should say that Look, is the tendency right my grandfather was in the camps and i grew up with the holocaust this is incredibly terrible sacred thing that that you know you spoke about in hushed tones i'm very familiar with it I also get exhausted by the emphasis on these stories that sort of um you know the kind of de facto gravitas that they they bring irrespective of whether or not 
the the filmmaking deserves it and so that's always been something that i've wrestled with i don't think colette is a bad movie i would actually say that to me a love song for latasha is the film in this category that again is incredibly timely leaves a real impact cinematically and would not surprise me if it won me neither category i wouldn't be at all surprised and the one that we left out last week which is a concerto is a conversation is a very moving and lovely uh, short film. My guess is that it's some, simply a little bit on the slight side. It has one idea and it takes mm-hmm. it to the limit. And and I, I think it's well done as such, but I feel like there's more depth to some of the other ones. Okay. So we went a little long on that one. So let's move on. We've got visual effects. What have you got there? Visual effects is an interesting category because uh, so many people in the Academy probably haven't seen all the films. And um, I'm going to bet that Tenet is the most likely one, the $200 million big budget Christopher Nolan movie. But uh, what are the effects in Tenet's that people remember, that Tenet, that people really remember? Blowing up that building is pretty big. An explosion. Uh, That's a pretty big deal. Um, See, when I looked at this list, I thought Mulan would be the one that would stand out most to people as a visual effects driven kind of experience where you may not necessarily think it's a great movie but you could say that Mulan certainly has a lot going for it just it has the scale scale. and scope that you're talking about um what's interesting is that in the bake-off some of these movies actually played really well I mean the one and only Ivan has all these animals in it and Love and Monsters has these uh monsters in it and um I'm actually wondering if Love and Monsters isn't a dark horse here, but it's it's a question of who's seen these films. And it's really hard to tell. It's hard to tell whether the, there are some voters who are going to vote on the basis of, of the Bake Off and not having seen the films, but there's no question that the most expensive, biggest budget, you know, go for it uh, movies is Tenet. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't like it. So there's that too. That has nothing to do with winning VFX. I don't know. That's an interesting conversation. I mean, okay, let's move on. We have best sound and this is a fascinating category this year. What have you got? All right. So they merged the two. um, And so there's two different guilds, right? And one guild went for the trial of Chicago seven and the other guild went for sound of metal. And most people are assuming that sound of metal is going to win this one uh, because it's so innovative. And so Everyone extraordinarily part of the story. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that it's, it's, it's a pretty clear front runner in this category. Okay. Yeah. Easy win right there. It's been awesome to follow the story of that movie over the past year and how much, how revered it is. I mean, it really deserves it. And it's it, the way that it came out in the pandemic, and got this following is just so gratifying so it's cool that the below the line story has resonated it's a case where the smaller indie movie american indie movie actually played a a role in uh in this category which is unusual whiplash is another one Yeah, yeah exactly great point of comparison there so production design production design is going to go to mank i believe um, mm. And it is a uh, the one win that I'm sort of uh, certain it, it will get if if if, if any. If um, it gets one, right? It, it it but it has won the precursors and it is a splendid piece of period uh, work. Perhaps the stars are aligning there. I am curious about if the father, which has several nominations, wins something. This too would be the most likely category perhaps where it could win if it doesn't upset somewhere else because when people talk about that movie and the way it's designed what 
the production designer did there in terms of you know sort of creating a sense of disorientation with this alzheimer afflicted mind through the production of a single apartment that transformed into different places is so key to its appeal that if you look at the way people have talked about it there's there there's a argument that it really is a production design driven it's all a question of how much how deeply the individual voters uh dug into uh you know how that movie was made and why it works and i think i think sound pictures classics has done a great job of building awareness for it but um I think Mank is the is the front runner there. I think it could be the father uh, if there was an upset. That's the upset. That's the upset. And I love a good upset, so I'm embracing that one. All right, let's keep going. We got original song. Okay, this is a category where a lot of people don't know what's going to win. I have been assuming from the beginning that it was going to be Leslie Odom Jr., the Hamilton star, uh, you know, heading toward an EGOT, you know, uh, uh, who who could uh, who could win for Speak Now, the song in One Night in Miami. Now, One Night in Miami isn't one of the most favorite movies, uh, you know, this year. Uh, it's no. not a Best Picture contender. Uh, the others, you know, narrative has to do with Diane Warren having been nominated. 11 times and it's time for her to to win one uh so uh for for uh the life ahead the the sophia lauren movie i i don't think um it's and then the other three movies are all sort of social justice anthems you know going going along with judas and the black messiah so some people love that movie and want to vote Mm -hmm. for that song some people like the one for trial of the chicago seven and want to vote for that you know it's it's a it's really a a a crapshoot i think i think that well but what are you putting down i i put leslie odom down because i i think that judas and that her song fight for you is one that reminds me of when selma won for common couple years back that was a it has that same sort of you know it, it it's not only is it a social justice movie with this original song but the song is sort of an extension of its social justice principles and so that to me feels like something where people who like judas and judas has a lot of support but they're not putting it, it at number one in other categories this could be one word that puts it that's over a good top. argument so that's, that's a, an excellent argument so let's go into original score this is a fascinating category i think what have you got? Original score is pretty clearly going to be Soul um, with uh, Reznor and Ross and Jean Baptiste, and 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 it's going to be that instead of the other movie that they got nominated for Reznor and Ross, which is um, from their David Fincher, uh, the Mank, you know, where they imitate Bernard Herrmann. Uh, they won the Oscar before for The Social Network, so um, this would be their second. And um, I think Jean Baptiste really gave them a lot in terms yeah. of uh, the the jazz inflected score they did the the other parts and he did the stuff having to do with jazz so i actually think he's that that there's a it's won all the precursors there really isn't any competition for this one yeah get I, it. I, I i'm and do we know i do have that down too I, do we know if the last time that original score went to an animated feature because that's sort of when I watch soul that they often get nominated uh for that um that's a good one to ask um, yeah we, we didn't it's not that unusual up, but it's, but it's um, fascinating I mean the music is such an amazing part of that movie in a way that you don't I'm expect gonna, it I'm to gonna be. look it up so I'm yeah we'll have to I find out because hang, hang on 
I'll, I'll, while, while Anne looks that up, I'll tell a little anecdote about John Batiste for this interlude, which is that he bought the house that I used to live in, the, the Brownstone, and there was an award season I went to where a lot of my screeners did not show up at my house. So there's something fascinating to me about the idea that John Batiste was maybe one in one season getting a lot of my Oscar screeners, and now he's up for <laughs> probably going to win one this year. Maybe, maybe he got a bunch of those <laughs> FYC DVDs, and he's like, how do I get into this conversation? So, you know, John Batiste, I hope I hope that made a difference to you because eventually I did get the um, mail forwarding set up. So did you figure it out or we don't know? When was the last time? We'll have to ask the, the Academy is pretty good at knowing this stuff, I've found. We'll have to look this up and, and, and uh, because if it does win, as we're predicting, um, yeah, I don't remember the last time that a score... I remember Randy Newman winning song and I remember Toy Story original, yeah, winning song. song. That's different. That's yeah. different. Um, uh, all right. Yeah, we'll look it up. We'll, we'll see. have to find out to be continued. So let's but let's keep going because we're making good progress here and, and we're still we're still in below the line land. Let's talk about makeup. All right. Makeup and uh, costumes. I'm going to put them together because they're both going to go to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and they've won all the precursors and and there's really no competition uh, for it. Um, I had a tough time figuring out what the runner up would be in that category because it's so well, obviously it going to be Ma Rainey. I mean Mank would have to be the runner. That's what up, I right? did for costumes. Um, I think I think I went wild on uh, on hair and makeup and went with Pinocchio because I do well, think that that's, a fun that's one. extraordinary. I talked know? to all those nominees, and it's just you amazing. had fun. I mean, yeah, I envied I mean, the, you that the, the the way in which they worked with practical effects on that movie and and didn't do it in sort of like a cheap nostalgic way. They they proved the value of practical effects and prosthetics in a 21st century filmmaking which the context. academy really appreciates actually yeah. and and so i just a it's a question upset. in that case of whether they actually saw the movie yeah well they should see the damn big thing. question it's, it's finally out and about right i know now, so. i know it's a pretty wild, wild i adaptation. found out listening to some of these anonymous ballots that a lot of them don't don't see them okay so the the alarm went off so and and we got two in one uh, little package there which was nice now we're on to editing Editing is a good competitive category because um, it's basically a race between Sound of Metal and The Trial of Chicago 7. And it is, in fact, uh, hard to call because sometimes sound and editing go together um, and sometimes they don't. And uh, sometimes a possible best picture winner uh, could be the editing winner. Sometimes they say that at the beginning of the night, if the editor, you know, the editing award is the, you know, wins, it tells you who you could know. win best picture. So in this case, though, I'm not sure it's going to play out that way because I don't know that neither, that either Trial of Chicago 7, which is certainly in contention for best picture yes. or Sound of Metal is going to win that, that, that prize. So I'm going to, I'm going with, um, Trial of Chicago 7, which which did win the editing award. And I and, am too. Um, and and I, I mean, obviously, I think the craft in, in Sound of Metal is extraordinary. And that, that's where my vote would go if I was an Academy member. But it does seem like does seem like Trial uh, is the kind of movie that would really stick with people because they're juggling so many characters and timelines and stuff like that. So that that would make a lot of sense, even if it doesn't portend to best picture win. In so. the world of, of, of reality, I would say that trial 
it's whatever is great about it has more to do with Aaron Sorkin's writing than anything else. But you could argue that the uh, editing of that uh, production is hugely part of the writing. And uh, it's always the last part of the writing of That's any movie. That's probably where it has the edge. So cinematography, what have you got? This is a fascinating one as well, just in terms of the, the range. Well, of the ASC went with Eric Messerschmidt of Mank. Um, mm-hmm. But um, uh, the BAFTA went to um, Joshua James Richards uh, for Nomadland. Mm-hmm. And the... the uh, I'm going with Nomadland. I believe I that too. people are going to reward that movie for I how beautiful people, it looks. Yeah. When people close their eyes, they see those vistas. I mean, they, they've certainly circulated widely in every you know story about award season. You can't deny that months, it's gorgeous. So, it's too bad yeah. that none of these films were seen on the big screen, although I did get to see Nomadland at a, at a drive-in, and it was gorgeous. So, All right, so that's an easy one. Let's get on to Best Doc. What this is hard. Thinking? It isn't hard. It's my octopus it teacher. It it's though? my octopus teacher. It is, at the moment that it was nominated, it was going to win. And that's just the way it is. Uh, because it was such a heart coming. tugger. And, and it was a, something that played really well for people during the pandemic. It just somehow made them feel better about, about themselves in some profound I way. don't like that movie, but also think that there is a very complicated set of impulses among Academy members in this category. I haven't talked to as many as you have, but I have talked to people who really adore collective, especially doc people. And I don't know if everyone watched it, all that side side of the conversation is a little harder to parse. But to me, it seems like- Well, it's in two categories, which helps. It's also up for international And it's very respected. It doesn't, I, I, I admire it tremendously and and it's so topical too because of the health crisis the whole world has been plunged into but the issue um is what tugs the heartstrings it usually trumps everything else it pulled my heartstrings it was a it was a tragic story of failed democracy and leadership so i can't be alone on that front so we'll i still see. think crip camp is in, it would be uh, another factor in that yeah, race crip camp had the a IDA winner campaign as well yeah yeah, so a lot about social there. activism, really important. Yeah. But I, so, so we've got, so you got Octopus, I've got Collective, Crip Camp could prove us both wrong, who knows? Could be a fascinating moment there. An international, perhaps less uh, of, of a surprise. What, what, what you did you pick? Uh, I put another round because you can't beat Mads Mikkelsen dancing around like there's no tomorrow. And the story I couldn't agree more. It, I mean, it's amazing. However, I mean, one thing is that that, uh, so many of these Oscar voters don't see all the films and they vote for the one they've seen. So another round has the advantage in that regard. Uh, But if they really were all purists and saw all five, I would give Quo Vadis Aida a shot. And a lot of people are voting for that. You did have an anonymous voter who was who said, you know, I want to talk to people about this incredibly powerful movie. I mean, it is a very effective film, and I'm sure it's got it's got some potential. And that wouldn't if it's ups if it was an upset, that would that would make sense. But another round has had the. I mean, it's been ahead of the pack for so long. We've been talking about that movie for so long. It some plays people so react well. to the drinking content in a certain way, and the thing mm. about Quovada Saida is that it's kind of like. Um, 
Son of Saul. It's one of those movies that just the, the Holocaust hits slot, you in sorry. the gut. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it has that kind of thing. I mean, hits you in the gut. It, it is the genocide slot. Okay, I mean, it, yeah. it is okay. It's a broader category. Yes, exactly. So animated, yes, easy to call. I would say. What do you that think? That is Soul. There, Wolf Walkers, we love, but Soul will could win. be an upset, but probably not. As, as many people have said, you know. There are voters who just vote for the Pixar movie, so it's certainly possible that could be the case this time around. Original screenplay, another fascinating category. So this is one where uh, for a long time, I would have guessed that Aaron Sorkin would win for The Trial of Chicago 7 because it's such a masterful, complicated, brilliant screenplay. Uh, you know, weaving all of these uh, narratives and all these characters in this incredibly entertaining way uh, with a serious, uh, timely message. Uh, it has everything, but Emerald Fennell is going to win for Promising Young Woman because she's fresh and new and uh, dared to completely explode uh, the revenge thriller genre in a very clever and surprising way. So um, 100% it's with agree. her. I, it's and I have to tell you, I mean, I was I was late to seeing that movie relative to a lot of people, but whatever its flaws, the way that it takes risks with tone, especially with that subject matter, and allows itself to be this almost dark comic thriller of sorts, while also dealing with sexual assault in, in a very credible way, is is just so distinctive. And Sorkin already won, and he's Sorkin, so okay, so maybe he gets shut out of that category, and again. You know, if, if even if he's it been losing, editing, she's been winning. Yeah, exactly. That's where the split is. All right. So that brings us to the next uh, the next screenplay category adapted, which to me seems like the first obvious Chloe win of the night. What do you think? I think the obvious Chloe win of the night uh, is going to come later, which is director and and, and we'll get up to picture eventually. Um, so I'm wondering if uh, all right, if you go with the precursors, uh, the, the scripters are often, uh, the USC scripter awards are often predictive. And she won that. Um, and she has won, uh, she wasn't in the WGA, so she didn't compete uh, there. Borat won the WGA. Uh, yes. A lot of people think that both Nomadland and Borat are, are improvised. They're not. They're written and they're set up for what happens, and you have to be extraordinarily adaptive every single day. The very to complex writing make process, it work. right? Yeah. Exactly. Now you and I know that, but a lot of people don't know that, and so I'm betting uh, actually um, that this is the category that could be won by the father. Which would be fascinating because you know of, of all the movies. I mean, that one was based on a play. So it's the most, you know, traditionally written through kind of experience, but it hasn't had the noisiest campaign from a screenwriting standpoint. I mean, the Borat writers, there's like, there's, you could fill a clown car with them. There's so many of them and they've been working it. That's the kind of upset I could almost understand. This but is the upset crazy, that you know? some people actually think could happen, partly because they want the father to win something. And mm -hmm. it does have this extraordinary thing that you were describing earlier in the production design category where you have this uh, sophisticated, complex shifting point of view uh, yeah. from the point of view of the dementia-ridden dad. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know what's reality and you don't know what's true or false. And it but, unsettles you know, audiences in a big yeah. way. I still, I thought that was more on because of the set than it was on what was on the page, but you know, 
I, I guess you're right that it's and Christopher Hampton is well that. respected and the Brits are going to go for this remember there's a big big British uh block at the academy yeah fair and, and I still got Chloe down because I think that's what she did with I read that screenplay it reads this like is a close poetry. race it could go mm -hmm. either way it's a, it's a question of how many awards they want Chloe Zhao to give I mean she's up for editing too but yeah, I don't think amazing. she'll win that one. No, we didn't yeah. even talk about her when yeah. we were on in that category. All right, so we're getting into the performance categories here. We've got supporting actress. Very interesting. So I believe that the momentum has turned here uh, in favor of um, Yoon Jung and uh, Minari, and that this could be the big win for that movie. And uh, she won the BAFTA, she won SAG. I just don't see any way that she's not gonna win this too. Uh, okay. So you want to go for Maria Bakalova. <laughs> I mean, I was the first person who watched this movie and said, I bet this person could be an Oscar contender. You were right. You helped so to have, make it happen. I mean, because also from an advocacy standpoint, I love to see performers who take, you know, out of nowhere performers who take these crazy risks and you see that talent on the screen from the get go. It's really great to see that sort of rewarded. But also, I mean, she did have a lot of visibility and momentum and the, the campaign was very strong. And one thing I did remember was we were saying with Bridge of Spies that Mark Rylance was obviously going to win supporting actor, but then Creed came along and Stallone was going to be sort of like the big sort of contender in that category. And then he didn't win. Rylance also lost SAG. So there was there there was something complex that happened with supporting actor there. And I wouldn't I, I would think there is still a possibility that supporting actress could surprise, even though obviously if it's gonna win somewhere, it's gonna be Borat is popular. She's and sometimes they go with the young ingenue, but she doesn't really fulfill that. You know, she's she's more of the discovery who, you know, stood up to Sasha Baron Cohen and, and, you know, showed what she could do. And I think people do love Borat, but I'm not sure they're going to give it any awards. Hmm. Well, it'll be fat if they give it one. If it's screenplay or supporting actress, to me, it seems like supporting actress would be where it has the edge because that story, that discovery was in some ways perceived as even more significant. So that should be interesting. But but I, but look, if, if uh, Yoo Yoon Jung from Minari wins, that's an amazing, she's a, a veteran Korean actress. It would be an amazing victory, uh, especially a year after Parasite. So supporting actor, that one seems sort of like a no brainer. What do you think? So we do, we do believe that D Daniel Kaluuya is going to prevail there uh, for channeling uh, Fred Hampton. And uh, I don't think anyone is going to take it away from him. Uh, there are people with a rooting interest in Paul Rossi uh, as the the sure. counselor in, in Sound of Metal, and that would be awesome. But uh, Kaluuya's got this. Seems like a no-brainer. I mean, we talked about Judas earlier and the visibility it has and the, the love for him, especially after he sort of became a revered actor with Get Out. He's so powerful that um, it just it's hard to imagine something else happening here. So best actress. Now let's okay, So this is the time. one where we're going to take the time. All right. <laughs> this is literally a four-way race. We have Andrew Day, who won the Globe. We have Carrie Mulligan, who won the Critics' Choice Awards and got snubbed by the juries at BAFTA, so she wasn't in the race. We have Frances McDormand, who beat Carrie Mulligan, who, who didn't have to beat Carrie Mulligan and Viola Davis in the BAFTA race. And so she won. 
and that race without her two main rivals to compete without with. even having to do without Andrew day either. All three of them <laughs> yeah. weren't there. Uh, and then, and then you have, um, the, the possibility that Viola Davis, which who won SAG, uh, would be, would be the winner. And, and there's a narrative that has to do with, um, her being the second uh, black actress to to win the Oscar after Halle Berry. There's the narrative that she's got four nominations, which is a record for a black actress. Uh, there's the fact that she's really deeply uh, revered. Uh, and Ma Rainey has two other wins likely. So it isn't like she's taking a slot that has to go to Ma Rainey and it isn't a best picture contender. So the other argument would be that Promising Young Woman would be the favored one here because it is a best yeah. picture contender. It has, it has a lot of support and there's more to it than that too. I mean, I love Viola Davis's performance in Ma Rainey, which I thought was a, in some ways a lesser movie or just a more, more just sort of the, the play as a movie, but her performance is on another level. I think it was Wesley Morris or somebody like that who said, if you had, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson directing that performance, it, the movie would have like blossomed from what she was doing there. So it's, it's what sticks with people. But I also think that Carrie Mulligan has had a very elevated uh, profile for this movie. I mean, you see, she did a really good job on SNL. There was that, for better or worse, that whole story of, of her. So did Kaluuya. Uh, yeah, and, and and exactly. And then there was that whole story about Carrie Mulligan taking issue with a a, a critic and you know how you know representation who, in media and all said that. Said she wasn't as good looking as she should be. He whatever, was basically whatever giving he said and how that played that out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's almost yeah. like. There's two separate things that happen here. One is, is um, you know, whether or not the line, what he said was completely out of line. And the other was how she sort of developed, you know, created a conversation around it that was in some ways connected to the themes of the movie. So it felt like there was a lot of what she did there that resonated for people. And like you say, if on top of all that, this is a, a movie that has a lot of support in major categories, that's It is I a popular movie. It. There's no question it's a popular movie, but I'm gonna say to you that um, if it were between Mulligan and Davis, um, that, that they're both respected, they're both extraordinary stage actors as well as film actors. But I would say to you, and I love Carrie Mulligan. I've always loved her since an education. I'm, I've seen her on stage. I think she's extraordinary always. And she did an amazing job in this movie. But there's a difference between being respected and being beloved. And Viola Davis is beloved. That's, now you could okay. say she won SAG because there was a TV component to the SAG voting. That's true. She's very beloved for murder. You know, the, the, well, Meryl Streep is beloved and she doesn't win every time. I mean, no, but this is a great performance. It's big. I mean, the reason why costumes and makeup and hair, she's partly responsible for those decisions and how well those things were, were executed sort of the way Charlize Theron was, uh, you know, when, when makeup won for her role in, uh, the movie, the, whose name I'm already forgetting Jay Roach, the movie last year that she did. Michelle. Yes. Thank you. All right. I know. Once Oscar season ends, it's like pure. Sometimes, amnesia. so anyway, so I'm I'm voting for Viola Davis here. And I've got Carrie, and that tells you what the divide is. Some some people are going to lose a lot of money, but a lot of people lot are of voting for Andrew Day, and and part of the issue there, oh, Andrew Day, so is one. United States versus you know Billie Holiday, 
first time actress, extraordinary singer, nails Billie Holiday. Very difficult, very challenging role. Not a great movie, but she's still great in it. She's good. In and it. Oh, people really, really admire what she did. And they enjoyed the movie, even if it wasn't a great movie. And so I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, when you have a race that's that close between that many people, you can have a real surprise like Andrew Day winning. I'm not saying the Globes are predicting it. I don't give them that much credit, but they put her in the race. And you still have history. I, You'd still have the second black woman to win that category. The same so. thing happens. So the Academy could go either way. They could say Viola's already won once. We don't like Ma Rainey that much. Uh, we're giving Ma Rainey the other two. Let's give this one to the newcomer, Andrew Day. And I, I, I honestly, if that happened, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm almost not, ready to but put you're not putting Andrew Day. No, I didn't put Andrew Day. Uh, I put both Andrew Day and Carrie Mulligan in the it's spoiler position. Sort of the, it could be either one. I'm of assuming those. Frances McDormand has yeah. won twice. If she were to win for a third time, she'd be in very rarefied. There are only five who've won three. So I just imagine the mindset of being a performer in the, in the category that's so hard. There are some people who I'm sure have just sort of decided, okay, I know the math says I'm not going to win. So I can just kind of enjoy the night under the circumstances or some people who are like, I'm probably going to win. It's going to be a fun night. But in this category, nobody knows. What do you, what do you do? Yeah. If anyone's positive, they're, they're full of shit. Sorry. They don't know what they're talking about. So this could go any number of ways. And, and it's partly because the, all the precursors have split that we have nothing to, yeah. to go on. And we're not yeah. out there talking to people. You know, some of we my anonymous, some of my anonymous voters went, went for, uh, you know, Carrie, some of them went for Viola, you know, it, 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 it's hard it's, to get a sense of the full, the full picture. So that's, that's certainly one that, that is a definitely reflective of the unique circumstances of this season as well. And then we move on to a performance category that has very little ambiguity around it. And that's best actor. I guess there's a potential upset there, but we've basically been saying, chugging along Chadwick Boseman getting his posthumous. The upset Oscar. is actually very real. I mean, Anthony Hopkins, if enough people think that Chadwick Boseman's going to win it and they go ahead and vote for the one they want, which is Anthony Hopkins, you know, it could happen. And he has, he's been campaigning and he's been charming. He's been delightful and he's 83 years old and he's alive. Yeah. And this could be the best performance of his career. It's both of them giving the best performance of their career, but one of them can't give another one. That's the right. emotion. That's right. the tragic. Well, but he's also emotion. he has of of all. I mean, if Hopkins won BAFTA, right? But he didn't win as much as Chadwick won. No, he won so BAFTA, the, which is where his support lies. Chadwick. So what are yeah. you actually putting down? I'm putting Bozeman. I'm being conservative about this. And if my predictions come true, it will be that all four acting categories go to people of color. Um, the likelihood that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom actually wins four Oscars, and that could be more than Nomadland, is, is po Quite it's a possibility. Something. Well, and Netflix it's an it's an unlikely an unlikely I mean. possibility though that that's the yeah. thing I'm, I'm I question whether both Bozeman and Davis are going to win and and the get, get the two you know makeup and costume if it's not up for best picture it's just it's just it just feels like it's it's it could it might not happen 
Well, in which case your Kerry Mulligan happen, scenario and Hopkins, this Hopkins and Mulligan scenarios. Some could weird happen. stuff could happen. It could be one of those nights, and we won't be in the room to hear everyone being so ah! baffled. If that, I mean, you, the TV cameras don't always, and mostly don't capture that part of it, especially when you're like up in the balcony with you know Academy voter number five thousand and two who you know, as a craftsperson, not known. We were up there with Pedro he, Pascal last year. Yeah, well, that's a great one. I'm sure, you, you know, I, and, and of course the bar and all that kind of stuff. It's just fascinating to hear when the upsets roll through the room like that. And we won't get that. So we'll have to process it another kind of way. And I'm sure Twitter will explode in all kinds of ridiculous ways as well. But that doesn't mean that we can't have one obvious category that we're really looking forward to celebrating. And that's best director, which seems like, a no-brainer slam dunk lock she's won every precursor no one else has yeah. won the way she has won and and she will take that and everyone she's who awesome. are there are people who aren't voting for her for aren't voting for nomadland for picture there are people who aren't voting for it for screenplay or or editing or uh cinematography they're voting for director they grant yeah, it's a bigelow narrative right i mean it's the yeah. same thing in some ways it's she like edited and wrote and right. directed it is more and, and, I, and I should I mean, backtrack it's, it's not just it's the more Bigelow than narrative. Bigelow, it's but it, more it's than. true. It, it is a genuine sort of respect for what a sophisticated filmmaker she is. It's also ridiculous that a woman hasn't won since Bigelow. I mean, it was like a decade ago, basically, and, and the time has come, so that certainly doesn't hurt. And it's but great Zhao that there are two women a, competing yeah. this year, but this yeah. isn't Fennell's category. She's not going to no. win this one, and it's not David Fincher's category, and so forth. But but for Chloe Zhao, who just a few years ago was getting her start. I mean, less than a decade ago, she was on Filmmaker Magazine's 25 New Faces of Films and going to the Sundance Labs. That is also something really critical. We're singling uh, a kind of uh, uh, the value of this new generation coming in and sort of leading the charge in terms of the, you know, the direction of the industry and the stories it tells. And of course, we have Best Picture, which... So it's going to go with Nomadland. It, I it will. It's I have no be. doubt about it. It's it's one on too many record, of the precursors. cursors. It, How many it, times it's, it's, are we going to have to talk this through, though? Let's be honest. If trial pulls it off somehow, and there's we a steak eater vote, there is a steak eater vote. The steak eater vote, along. as defined, you know, the white men in the academy, the the below the line guys, the the uh, the mainstream sections of the academy. There's support for trial of the Chicago Seven. It's won a lot of things. It's got a lot of support. But he didn't get director. So, you know, the real contenders for best picture have writing and directing and best picture. That includes Promising Young Woman and Nomadland. Yeah. So that's it. And, and, and uh, tr trial, trial is in a position where it could win nothing. It could win the big one and it could win nothing. So yeah. I, I, really, I really don't see a, a scenario but it could where, also where win, trial like you wins. said earlier. I mean, but there's a preferential wins, ballot. And it could win editing. So if it wins editing and it benefits from the preferential ballot because people don't hate it and Nomadland splits votes with a bunch of stuff, then that would be the formula that would allow for a, a rather remarkable but they tend they tend to go with the movie that best represents them in this particular zeitgeist year and that one is nomadland it's it's it is chloe zhao's to win and, and francis mcdormand did put it up to chloe there's a narrative there um 
I just want, I think they want Francis, they may not give Francis best actress, but they want her to get up on stage and win best picture. Right. She, she already gave us the inclusion writer moment. So now it's, it's sort of a, it's a different moment of sorts. It's a celebration of the sort of the Chloe plus brand story of what they did together there to create this amazing thing. We've talked about this a lot. It's very innovative. It, 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 it was put together with a great deal of care and, and, and it was a challenging thing to pull off on a production And it captures level. an aspect of America in 2020. It's a pandemic movie, even if it was made pre-pandemic. I mean, it was the essence of this it, sense it of captures looking it for your and place it, in an empty it played, world. That played into the narrative, no question. So who knows what's going to happen it could be a wild night of surprises. It could be exactly as, as one of us has described it. It should be fascinating. I have to tell you, as much as this has been an exhausting season, I've really enjoyed discussing it with you, Anne, because it, it has given us some sense of, if not normalcy, a consistency of purpose in these incredibly un unusual and unpredictable times. So, um, and I embrace that. And that's one reason that I do appreciate this season in spite of all this stuff. And we'll be very happy when it's over and we can talk about other things like the Cannes Film Festival or who knows what else is around. Eric is collecting his list of what's oh, yes. going to be at Cannes. And the summer movie season's coming. We got, we got movies to talk about. I've been going to theaters. I've seen two movies in theaters in the past week. It's been great. You've been seen three. So we're, it's, it's basically. I want to get invited to screenings but, though. Yeah. Did you go to screenings? Is that what you saw? Uh, I know I, I went to public things. I went and I saw Mirror at Lincoln Center. I saw Shiva Baby, which is hilarious and, and, and highly recommend it uh, at Nighthawk in, in Williamsburg. And uh, but I am going to a press screening tomorrow morning. So I, I'm little by little. I'm, I'm finding my I way back. I haven't gotten invited to, to a press screen. I got one invitation. I just couldn't go. But um, I want to go to a press screening. I want to get back into press screenings. That would make yeah. me very happy. Um, back to normal. Okay. I have applied for um, coverage of Tribeca and Cannes. Whether I actually go or not is the next question. TBD. Well, and let's have fun this weekend. And we'll, we'll revisit all these subjects when you come back down to earth. Have a good time. I'm sorry that I can't bum a ride later, but uh, I'll be in touch. I'm taking, I'm taking a break after the Oscars, so you might need to talk them over with someone else afterwards. We'll Is that What are out. we going to do? Are we going to talk about it on Monday? Maybe that's what we okay. should do. Maybe we should, yeah. Let's, do the, let's do the Let's do the Oscar aftermath on Monday, and then I'll go on vacation. All right. Okay. Let's get through bye Sunday bye. first. I'll see you then. All right. Bye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.